Nellie, I'm very excited for you. This is going to be quite something. Um, but I'm also super jealous. I wish I was going to. <laughs> All right, uh, one thing I want to do um, before we take our offering this morning is a little bit of a review. And I'm doing this because um, starting this Sunday and through the month of August, we're going to have our kids with us in the service. So if you look around, you see that the average age just went down quite a bit in this room. And that's a good thing. I'm excited to have our kids here with us. And so, kids, what I want to do for you is a little bit of a review because you haven't been with us um, through the summer so far. Just a couple occasions. So let me tell you about what we've been doing. We've been studying a passage in the Bible called the Beatitudes. And this is a passage that records the words of Jesus at the beginning of his ministry when he started his work. And so Jesus went up on a hill with his disciples and he sat and, the, and, he sat and taught these disciples on the side of this hill. And these are some of the first things that came out of his mouth. So this is the first message... The first lesson that Jesus taught his disciples. And so I want to review with you real quickly where we've been. And for the rest of you, I want you to look for something in the Beatitudes as we go through them. Because uh, there's a theme here that you're going to pick up on. And it's going to carry us right through the service today. So I'll point it out to you as we go. This is what Jesus said. The first thing he said was, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And so when Jesus said the poor in spirit, he's talking about those who recognize that on their own they can't do anything to save themselves. And so God took the first step through Jesus and made a plan. He took a step towards us and said, I will rescue you. I have a plan in mind. He took the initiative. Jesus took the first step as our peacemaker. And then the second thing he said is, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And what Jesus was talking about here is mourning, but not just any mourning, not just any sadness, being sad over the cost of our sin, over the cost of the mistakes that we make in our lives. He said, blessed are those, happy are those who are upset by the sins that they commit because they know the price that comes for those sins. And so here again, Jesus takes the first step and he goes and pays for those sins, shows us what the cost is, and then he says, now blessed are you if you mourn over the cost of what your sins uh, got here. And then he says, blessed are the meek for they shall inherit the earth. And we watch Jesus again here going out and taking that first step and teaching us what it means to be meek. And essentially he said to God, he said to his father, I have my own desires, I have my own ideas, but it's not what I want, it's what you want. That's what matters. And Jesus totally surrendered, totally gave up his own will, his own mind and decisions and everything to God his father and said, I'll do whatever you want. He took that first step and showed us what it means to be meek. And then Jesus said, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Righteousness, we talked about. Righteousness means that things are the way they ought to be. And Jesus came with this strong, strong desire to see things return to the way they ought to be. Things had been messed up between man and God. And Jesus again took that first step and said, I will make things the way they ought to be. He took that step 
to make peace between us and God. He is our peacemaker. And then he said, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. And you can't, you can't miss the mercy in Jesus here. As he stepped out of heaven, walked among us for a while, and then in mercy paid the cost, paid the cost to see peace restored between us and his father. Again, he took the first step to making peace, to being our peacemaker. And then he said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. He talked about what it means to, we talked about what it means to be pure in heart, to have pure motives, a source of the things that happen in our hearts. And what Jesus did here is he stepped in and he said, I will make it possible for your hearts to be pure, and I will make it possible for you to see my Father, to see God. And so, as Jesus hung on the cross, that veil was torn in two, and man could again see God. Jesus made peace. He took that first step in making peace between us and God. And then, and then, today we're looking at this. It says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. That's what we're going to look at today. Blessed are the peacemakers. Right now, we're going to pause and we're going to reflect on our peacemaker. We have to start there. We have to understand that Jesus is the one who took that first step. He is the original peacemaker. And then we'll understand how he's called us in to being peacemakers as well. Um, Bob is going to sing a song for us now. And this isn't one that we're going to stand and sing together. This is one for you to just listen to and take it in and allow your spirits to engage because he's going to sing a song about our peacemaker. You know who that is. Um, So just enter into this. Allow yourself, allow your hearts to be drawn to your peacemaker, to Jesus Christ. And I'm going to ask the ushers to come forward now and they'll take our offering. And as they're coming, uh, let me just say this. Um, Just over the last few months, Chapel Hill, we have put before you a new budget, an an increased budget, um, a higher budget. And we've asked that you give um, because of these incredible plans that are now unfolding in a lot of different ways. Um, And so we've come through the first month of the new fiscal year. And I just want to thank you, Chapel Hill. Because we are on track. Thank you very much for stepping up and for meeting that need, for meeting that increase. Uh, We're even exceeding it by a little bit right now. And I just want to thank you for that. Don't quit because I said that. Don't just back off and go, well, well, they're taken care of. (laughs) That will not carry us through the year. Um, Thank you very much for responding to that. That is so encouraging to me, to the staff, to all our ministry leaders um, that we're, uh, we're on this track that God has put us on. So thank you so much for that. Let's pray. Father, I just praise you for who you are. I praise you for your great love for us. I praise you for taking that first step through your son, Jesus Christ, for sending him to come and make peace between us and you a reality again. Lord, we look back at how perfect it was in the garden, in the garden of Eden, and we look at how sin severed that, destroyed that, and then we get to see your plan show up right off the bat. We get to see how you brought your son, Jesus Christ, into the picture and how he became our peacemaker. And we praise you for that. Thank you for restoring peace between us and you once again. Father, we come to you now with grateful hearts. Once again, you took the first step. You have given to us 
out of your generosity. And so we give back to you now uh, with cheerful and thankful hearts for who you are, for all you mean to us. We thank you for being our peacemaker. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Bob and Lisa. If you do not have a Bible with you this morning, you're going to need one to follow along in. If you don't have one, we have one that you can use. Just go ahead and put your hand up, and our ushers will give you a Bible that you can use for the service. And uh, if you are receiving one of those Bibles and you do not have a Bible of your own, please keep the one that you receive as our gift to you. He is our peacemaker, our peacemaker. How blessed we are to be loved so much by God. He took the first step and made peace with his creation, with you and me. There was nothing that we could do to restore the peace that existed between God and mankind in the Garden of Eden before sin arrived on the scene. So God took it upon himself to restore the peace that we now have between us and our Father. This is a gift that we can never take for granted. Turn in your Bibles to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians 1 and verse 15. And there we'll find a description of the one that God sent to bring peace. And obviously it's Jesus. At the beginning of this message, I want us to acknowledge our loving peacemaker. And then we'll acknowledge him again at the end of the message when we share communion together. We have so much to be grateful for when we reflect on how we are now reconciled with God and are at peace with him. And this is how he made that happen. Colossians chapter 1 verses 15 to 20. Paul is writing here about Jesus Christ and he says this. He says, he, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. God sent an ambassador of peace, his son, Jesus Christ, to reconcile us to himself. And of course, this shouldn't surprise us at all. I can't imagine how difficult it must be for God to see the absence of peace between him and his creation and throughout his creation. God loves perfectly. And in that perfect love, how hard it must be for God to see the separation that exists between him and most of the world that he's created. And God is not only a God of love, he is also a God of peace. In fact, Paul referred to God in several of his letters as the God of peace. Peace comes from God. He is peace. He is the source of peace. He is the initiator of, of excuse me, <clears throat> of reconciliation. God is peace. 
We believe in the biblical description of God as a trinity. God in three persons. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And peace is one of those areas in which we can see God clearly as three persons. There's God the Father. He's the source of peace. There's God the Son, Jesus Christ. He's the manifestation of peace. God demonstrated peace, peace through his Son, Jesus And then there's God the Holy Spirit. He is the agent of peace. God sent his son who then sent his spirit who then gave mankind the fruit of peace. And in Galatians 5.22, we can see peace as one of the fruits of the spirit. Well, it's no wonder the Trinity is often referred to in the Bible as Yahweh Shalom, the God of peace. God is the maker of peace. He created a plan to restore peace right away after that peace was broken. He's in the process of restoring peace. He will ultimately welcome us into eternal peace. And that peace will never, never be broken again. When Jesus came, his his mission was clear. Restore peace. God the Father reached out to us in love through his Son to restore peace. In John 16, Jesus tells his disciples that in him they will find peace. He will be their peace, even in the midst of life's storms. Then Jesus left this earth for a while, but not without making a way for peace to be restored while he's gone. <clears throat> he left us with his Spirit to dwell in us. And referring to that spirit, Jesus said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you, in John 14, 27. And Jesus' disciples would not miss the message of peace that had been passed on to them by Jesus. Paul would write many times about the peace of God. He would state that God has called us to peace. He would state that peace is to rule in our hearts. Last Sunday we talked about being pure in heart. And the pure in heart have peace ruling in their hearts. Peter stated that we are to seek peace and pursue it. The writer of Hebrews stated that we are to strive for peace with everyone. There's no way as followers of Jesus Christ that we can miss the message of peace within the words of Christ and his disciples. In the Bible, there are 400 direct references to peace and many more indirect references There was peace in the garden. There will be peace again. But there is not peace right now. In fact, there have been nearly 15,000 wars since just a few decades before Jesus came. Since 1945, there have been over 200 international violent outbreaks. Since 1958, over 100 nations have been involved in some form of armed conflict. Over 100 countries. The world has been in need of the message of peace for a long, long time. And it will be until Christ returns to take us home. But God has not neglected the world. He has not turned his back on the strife. He's not unaware of the hopelessness that's all around us. His heart still breaks over every conflict and violent act and abuse. Peace is still his desire, especially peace between him and those he's created. So in the beatitude that we're looking at today, this is what Jesus says. He said, blessed are the peacemakers for they shall be called sons of God. 
Um, yesterday we were down at the farmer's market in St. Paul and uh, when we left the farmer's market we were driving out of downtown St. Paul and drove right past the Peace Arch in St. Paul down below the Capitol and um, there was the Peace Arch and then behind the Peace Arch is this monument that has our verse, this beatitude etched on it. It's a beautiful scene, and uh, you can imagine all of the emotion around it right now, especially with uh, the loss of a police officer this last week who'd been shot. Um, While we were driving past that monument, um, we looked up at it, and there were two soldiers in uniform at that monument looking right at that verse and reading that verse. And right as we drove by, the two of them turned around and walked away from the monument, and one of them was wiping the tears from his eyes as he walked away. Um, It's a powerful thing to consider peacemakers. Now, God did not just have a peacemaking plan while Jesus walked the earth. That would be more than just a little unkind. He has always had a plan for making peace. And I think this is the kind of thing Jesus was talking about when he told his disciples that they would do even greater things than he had. Jesus was one voice speaking of peace. His disciples then became 12 voices speaking of peace. And then there were 72 and then thousands that were added to their number daily according to the book of Acts. Every disciple, every follower of Jesus who was added to that number became a peacemaker. When Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers, he's talking about those who follow him. He's talking about you and me. I'm going to ask you to use your voices for a few minutes to answer some questions for me. You don't need to raise your hand. Just speak the answer and you're all permitted to speak at the same time, okay? Answer these questions out loud for me. Are you a follower of Jesus Christ Are you a son or daughter of God? Yes. All right. So if your father is the God of peace and his son is the prince of peace and you are also one of his sons and daughters based on what Jesus says in this beatitude, what are you? Again, peacemakers. You are a peacemaker. I am a peacemaker. When Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers, he's talking about you and me and every follower of Christ throughout history and into the future until he returns. God's peacemaking force is huge. Now kids, listen to me. You get asked this question a lot as a kid. What do you want to be when you grow up? What do you want to be when you grow up? Well, Jesus answered that question for you in Matthew 5, 9. You are going to be and already are as a follower of Jesus, peacemakers. You're going to be a peacemaker. And this has never been clearer to me than it is right now. I have a title given to me by Jesus Christ that encompasses everything in my life. I am a peacemaker. And I'm not taking this lightly and and using it just for this sermon, knowing that next month I'll get all dramatic again and at some point I'll tell you something else that I am. I am a peacemaker and so are you. So many people in the church talk about their desire to know God's will for their lives and there's always a lot of stress involved in that quest. 
But here's something that we know for sure. We are all peacemakers. In the Beatitudes, Jesus is describing the character of his followers. He talks about humility and understanding that we are helpless to save ourselves. He talks about mourning over the cost of our sin. He talks about meekness. He talks about having a hunger to see things be the way they ought to be. He talks about being merciful. He talks about having pure motives in our hearts. But then he gives us a title. And it's a family title. He's passing on the family business to us. He's showing us what all those characteristics describe. They describe a peacemaker. They describe you and me. They describe followers of Jesus Christ. You and I are peacemakers. We have an identity. We have a calling. Jesus is asking us to carry on the ministry that he started. It's the ministry of peacemaking. As children of God, we have inherited the family business of peacemaking. Do you question your own value, your own worth sometimes? then embrace this. You are a peacemaker. You come from a long line of peacemakers. Your brother is the prince of peace. Now, if you have sibling jealousy issues, get over them right now. You can't be the prince of peace. But you can be and are a peacemaker. You have received an identity and mission from the Son of God. He's telling you that you are a peacemaker and that your mission is making peace. Or you can be more of a, of a private follower of Christ and stay out of other people's business. Live and let live. Um, no, you can't. If you're a follower of Christ, you're a peacemaker. If God is handing down the family business to you, Do you really think that you have the option of breaking free from your family history? Now, I tried that. I swore I'd never follow in the footsteps of my father and grandfather and great-grandfather and all the rest of them and be a pastor. Well, look at how well that turned out. (laughs) But that's just a career. Peacemaking is an identity and a mission. You and I are peacemakers And we can either embrace that or be disobedient and refuse it. We have been passed the baton of making peace by those followers of Christ who came before us and fulfilled their role at least in guiding us to peace with God. And now we have no other option. We are to carry out the mission of peacemaking. Uh, Let me give you some incentive. I've threatened you before and it's been pretty effective, but let's change it up this time and try some positive motivation. Uh, Many of us get asked the question, frequently some of us, what do you do? What do you do? What do you do for a living? What do you do? Well, I dare you to answer that question with the words, I'm a peacemaker. Can you imagine where that conversation might go if you answer that way? If you do that, and you come and honestly tell me that you did, and how it went from there, um, I will make dinner for you and your family, okay? (laughs) Brothers and sisters, we have to take this seriously. 
It'd be one thing if Jesus said this, if he said, blessed are the peacemakers, I'll be especially proud of them, but I'm proud of all of you no matter what. But he didn't say that. He said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. So what if you're not a peacemaker? Honestly, I'll let you read between the lines yourself. Let me assure you of this before you get discouraged or afraid. If you start at the start with Jesus and the Beatitudes, peacemaking is going to come naturally to you. Remember what I said previously in this series about not skipping steps. Those who are poor in spirit, who mourn their sin, who are meek, who hunger and thirst for righteousness, who are merciful and who are pure in heart, will be peacemakers. And that's the identity that Christ has in mind for his followers. We need to be working our way through the Beatitudes constantly with living out our identity in mind. And what I'm not saying is that you have to master the first six Beatitudes before you carry out the seventh. A follower of Christ is a work in progress. Jesus has never been represented by a perfect person. Never. Now that's some amazing grace and that's a testimony to God's power, not our power. As followers of Jesus, we are peacemakers as peacemakers we are blessed with being members of God's family brothers and sisters of his son Jesus peacemakers with him Chapel Hill this world needs us to live out our identity you and I needed someone else to live out theirs and guide us to restored peace with God Now we've been recruited into God's peacemaking force as well. And that mission cannot end with us. Let's talk a little bit about what Jesus is saying here. But but if you get nothing else from this morning, get this. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you are a peacemaker. That's our identity. That's our mission. And the world needs us to fulfill that mission. So what is the meaning of peace? Well, I talked about this back in the Christmas season, and so I won't go into it in great detail again here. But seeing it now from the angle of peacemakers, there are things that we need to be reminded of. First of all, peace is not merely the absence of conflict. Peace is more than just that feeling you get while you're reloading. A ceasefire is not what Jesus is talking about here. Just look at how well ceasefires have worked for Israel and Palestine over the centuries. If two of my boys are fighting, which never happens, it's just a hypothetical situation, right? Right. (laughs) Then what is my role as a peacemaker? To separate them? To send one of them upstairs and make the other sit down and cool off? That's part of my role. But peacemaking goes way beyond this. I need to address what happened in each of them to bring them to that point. I need to lead them to reconcile with each other. I need to help them see that they are brothers and help them restore that relationship again. 
I need to help them understand that that particular Lego block is not worth fighting over. And eventually we'll force them to hug, which inevitably lightens the mood for everyone. <laughs> Parents, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something that you may hate me for. Um, Liam, Jude, and Asher, you paying attention? <laughs> Good. That's a surprise. <laughs> I'm giving you permission to do something that I may not be too happy with, okay? If you guys are fighting with each other, which you might do in the future, if all I do is just separate you two, and that's all I do to, to fix that, you have permission to call me out. You have permission to tell me, Dad, that's not really peacemaking. And if Daddy says... Go to your room and stay there till you're 16 when you do that. Daddy's just joking. All right? <laughs> Parents, we have a glorious opportunity before us to hone our peacemaking skills as we are peacemakers with our kids. That's a very big responsibility. Don't just go the easier out and just separate them. Don't just break up the conflict and think that you've done your job. Be peacemakers in your household. Teach your kids how to make peace. Peace is the shalom that the Bible teaches. It's, it's a wellness of the whole person, internally, externally, spiritually, relationally, and so on. Peace is the presence of righteousness. And hey, there's that word again, righteousness. Jesus said, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Peace means that things are the way they ought to be. Having a strong desire to see things be the way they ought to be leads us to becoming peacemakers. In James 3.18, James writes, A harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. The psalmist in Psalm 85.10 wrote that righteousness and peace kiss each other. In our understanding of peace as peacemakers, we also have to be aware of the enemy of peace. And the enemy of peace is sin. Sin always creates conflict. Think about that. Conflict in our relationship with God is the result of sin. That's why we're to mourn that sin. Conflict between us and the people in our lives is also the result of sin. Conflict between people that we see around us is the result of sin. In any confrontation of strife that leads to peace, sin has to be addressed. Peace is not just the absence of conflict. It is the presence of shalom in which sin is dealt with through truth and righteousness is restored. Things get back to the way they ought to be. Um, husbands and wives, let me give you something to try at home. When you fight, there are two things that you can do that'll go a long ways. Remember these two words, righteousness and truth. And you know what righteousness means now. We've already learned that. Things are the way they ought to be. Both of you are to bring to mind the way things ought to be in your marriage as soon as you possibly can when that conflict arises this is your common ground, even in the middle of a fight. 
You both want things to be the way they ought to be. Remember that. Neither of you wants things to be painful or sad or lonely in your relationship. Get that picture of a righteous marriage in your mind and then figure out what it's going to take to get back there. And that's where the word truth comes into play. Truth addresses sin. Take responsibility for the sin in your own life. In your own life. Mourn your own selfishness, pride, manipulation, abuse, whatever it is. You are peacemakers, husbands and wives. Both of you are. You can use that gift in your own life and in your marriage. As peacemakers, we have a substantial mission. Um, All around us, there's conflict and strife. All around us are opportunities to be peacemakers. They exist in our families, our marriages. They exist in our friendships. They exist in our relationships inside and outside the church. Your neighborhood is filled with opportunities to be peacemakers. Filled. This is part of Jesus' command to love our neighbors, be peacemakers among our neighbors. And as we move into the implementation of what we're calling the the Jerusalem mandate in our neighborhoods, this is going to require our commitment to our identity as peacemakers. As we get to know our neighbors better, we will see opportunities to be peacemakers. And this is one of the many great aspects of having Peter on staff full time now. All of these dreams and ideas and visions that we've been talking about are taking shape and I, I love it. And we want to see our neighbors come to be followers of Christ, don't we? Use your voices again. We want to see our neighbors come to Christ, don't we? Yes. yes. So we want to be constantly equipping ourselves as a church and as individuals to guide our neighbors into a flourishing, contagious relationship with Jesus Christ. That's our mission. And we will work to see people find peace in their relationship with God. And listen, everyone has a relationship with God. He created them. How can they not have a relationship with him? But that relationship is characterized either by strife or peace. And we're there in those neighborhoods to bring the message of peace. We are to be peacemakers in our neighborhoods, Chapel Hill. Jesus told his disciples to look for people of peace in the communities they entered. You see how this all ties together. You and I are peacemakers. So let's talk for a few minutes about the basic components of this job description. Peacemakers are ambassadors of peace. They are messengers of peace. They are models of peace. And according to Paul's words to the church in Corinth in 2 Corinthians 5, 18 to 20, we as followers of Jesus have been given the ministry of reconciliation, peacemaking. This is what he writes. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, of peacemaking. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors of Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. That's us. That's our message. 
As ambassadors of peace for Christ, there are a few things that have to be true of us, of you and me. First of all, we have to have made peace with God ourselves. God saw the need for reconciliation and he sent Christ to accomplish that reconciliation for him. We, in turn, receive Christ as that gift that restores peace between us and God. That's the first and most critical characteristic of a peacemaker. And if you have not taken that step, this is not something you want to wait to do. Restore things with God to the way they ought to be. Jesus died to bring about peace between us and God. That's how we became, we become what today's beatitude talks about. That's how we become children, sons and daughters of God. I don't ever want to assume, I'll never come in here on a Sunday morning and just assume that everybody in the room is at peace with God. That everybody in the room is a follower of Jesus Christ. And I do not want to let this opportunity go by here. So please close your eyes and bow your heads with me right now. Let's take just a moment and I want to speak to those of you in the room who may not yet have made peace with God. Listen, God desires to have your relationship with him restored. He wants peace between you and him again. That's his design for you. And so he sent his son Jesus to walk this earth and to make that a possibility again. Jesus died, was buried, and rose again from the dead so that you could be restored to peace with God. The sin in your life, the sin in all of our lives, keeps us from God. It destroys that peace. But Christ came to take the penalty for that sin on himself and pay it for you. If you have not gone to Jesus yet, if you have not gone to God and said, God, I accept that gift, that peace offering of Jesus Christ. I'm going to ask you to do it right now. I don't want you to ever miss the opportunity if, if you have not yet made that decision. So pray this with me in the quietness of your heart and mind. All eyes are closed. This is between you and God. Just say this with me. God, I need you. I need your forgiveness. Will you please forgive the sin in my life? I accept the gift of Jesus Christ to pay for the sins I've committed and restore my relationship with you. I want a relationship with you, God. I want to follow Jesus Christ the rest of my life. If you prayed that with me just right now, with nobody looking around, I'm not going to put you on the spot. This may have been a long time coming for you. Will you just put your hand up right now if, you've prayed, if you just prayed that prayer? Father, I want to pray for those that, that right now just came to you and restored peace with you. Thank you for what you're doing in their hearts right now. I pray, Father, that you will guide them, that you will lead them 
in the path of Jesus Christ, that they will follow Jesus, that they will listen to his voice, be obedient to his commands, that they will grow in their relationship with you, their understanding of what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. God, thank you for leading them to take that step. Thank you for giving them peace now between you and them. What a precious thing that is. Thank you for now giving them that life eternal, that never-ending life for their spirits that comes with restoring peace with you. Guide them now, Father, into understanding. Guide all of us into understanding and practicing what it means to be peacemakers. Lift them up to you and offer them to you. Help them to find somebody that will walk alongside them and show show them what this is. Be brothers and sisters. Be fellow peacemakers with them. I commit them to you, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, the one who bought our peace. Amen. Having made peace with God and having been adopted into his family, we now lead others to make peace with God. We guide others to what we have received ourselves. As beggars who have been fed, we now show other beggars where to get that food. And along the way, we take on the character of peacemakers, the character that Jesus describes in the Beatitudes. Another component of being peacemakers is, of course, restoring peace between us and those in our lives with whom we are in conflict. You can't hate your brother and be at peace. Jesus commanded his followers to leave their sacrifice at the altar and be reconciled before coming again to the altar. Forgiveness was addressed by Jesus more times than I can remember. And as we become competent peacemakers in our own relationships, we will become more competent at bringing peace into other people's relationships. And that's the other component of being a peacemaker. We bring the message of peace into the lives of those who are experiencing conflict or strife in their relationships. Next week, I want to address the outcome of our peacemaking efforts as they're addressed in the Beatitudes. Um, Peacemaking is a risky, exhausting, often painful calling. Just look at the example we have in the lives of Jesus and his disciples. But all along the way, Jesus promises blessing to his followers. I am a peacemaker. Say that with me. I am a peacemaker. God has called us into the mission of making peace in the world that he's created. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Sons and daughters of God, we are peacemakers. That is the identity that we have inherited from our Father. He's counting on us to live out that identity. Our neighbors are counting on us to live out that identity. Our kids, our spouses, our brothers and sisters in God's family, our friends are counting on us to live out our identity. How will you be a peacemaker today, this week, this month? Now, at the beginning of the message, we listened to a song about the one who made peace with us. And now we're going to end this message reflecting on him again. It's time for us to share communion together. The cross that Jesus was crucified on is the greatest symbol of peace that we have. 
There Jesus took upon himself the punishment for our sins. The very thing that bought, restored peace with God. Come to the table today in a spirit of thanksgiving for the peace that you have with God as a result of the peacemaking work of Jesus Christ. Remember to look back at what Jesus did for us. Look ahead to his return when he will establish peace forever. Look within to discover anything that might be disrupting your peace with God right now. And look around at those who serve with you in God's mission of restoring peace in his world. This we have in common. We are peacemakers because of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. I'm going to invite the elders to come now and prepare to serve and the worship team to come and return as well. Um, Let's pray as they do. And remember that after the service is the send-off for Natalie, a lunch that you can participate in if you'd like. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful for the peace that you have restored through your son, Jesus Christ. And as we reflect now on the cross, on the crucifixion of Christ, as we are faced with these symbols of the body and blood of Jesus Christ, help us to remember that through these symbols, through the body and blood of Jesus Christ, that these things represent We have been restored to peace with you. What a beautiful thing that is. But Father, we don't want to keep this gift to ourselves. You have made us peacemakers. You have given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Help us to see that to live it out, we don't have to draw on our own strength. We draw on the strength that was demonstrated when Jesus Christ rose from the grave. We have the power of life to back us up. Thank you, Father, for the body of your son, beaten and crucified to pay the price for our sin. Thank you for the blood of your son, Jesus Christ, spilt on our behalf to wash us clean and make us fit, make us holy to stand in your presence again, to be at peace with you. We praise you for this in Jesus' name. Amen.